This is Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. It's a privilege to be here today, and uh, I simply want to say here um, at the end of the service, we are going to be taking communion, so if you don't have a communion cup, they are in the back, and so uh, make sure you have one of those ready. We are going to be taking communion today, and I'll explain that as we go, but today we're in a new sermon series, and I'm excited about it because I think there's a lot of truth to what the sermon series is going to be about. And we are in the season of Lent. How many of you enjoyed our Ash Wednesday service and, and the offering of the ashes? I hope that's something meaningful to you. It's something meaningful to me. Um, it started me on a journey. Of course, everyone is asking, well, what do you give up for Lent? And I said, I gave up sugar this year. And so, so far, that's been very difficult. But God has been with me. <laughs> and so I just pray that you uh, keep me in your prayers with all of that. But... Today we're going to continue within our journey with Jesus in his life and in his ministry. And I wanted to kind of do something a little different um, than the typical Easter narrative. I wanted to talk about things that Jesus never said. Things Jesus never said. And so I want you to say to your neighbor who might need a little bit of church in their life today. Turn around and say, Jesus never said this. Amen. That's what we're talking about. And so today we're looking at the topic of forgiveness and what Jesus never said about this. And the whole series is really about how these days it's so easy to see life the way we want to. Because in our day and age, we can filter our images. We can pick the news that we want to hear and only listen to the people that agree with us. And only see the things that we that agree with us. And so when we start to sometimes do that, we begin to distort our view of the world. And the same thing can happen to even our view of God. And so we reshape our perception of him into what we want to believe about Jesus and about God or what we even think about others. And here's the thing. Jesus Christ himself came to be the way and the truth and the life for us here today. And I believe that his way is better, his truth is better, and his life is way better than what mine could ever be. Give God praise for that. And so the series is going to cut through some of the noise of the world's perceptions of Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And for some of you, it may be surprising to hear some things, but let me just say it this way. Jesus is going to help navigate us into his truth. Amen. Amen. So you guys ready for it today? Amen. All right. So to launch this message series today, I thought I'd come up with a question. Uh, how many of you know someone who's just super annoying on Facebook? Raise your hand. You know someone who's just really annoying and, and they post stuff all the time and it just really grinds your gears is what they say. Remember, we're in church. You got to be honest. You got to be honest. Okay. Someone posts stuff and you're like, I can't believe they said that. Okay. Raise your hand. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, it's kind of like one of those things where like uh, on Facebook, there's people that, you know, they post all sorts of things. And uh, 
Honestly, I think the reason why it's called Facebook half the time is because when you see what's posted, you make this face, okay? You make this gawking face with your face, and that's why it's called Facebook. It's like, oh, I can't believe they said that. That's just my interpretation of that, all right? But, you know, social media, unlike so many other forms of media over the years, it gives, like, everybody their own platform of influence to share whatever you want to, with whoever you want to, whenever you want to, however you want to. Um, and so because of that, uh, there's a lot of things. I'm like, oh, my, ah! and I make that face, and it's Facebook. Um, and then, sadly, a lot of that stuff it's what they call it goes viral. And then everybody, millions of people around the world are looking and gawking the same way you are. And so I see a lot of things posted um, that sadly they're just not true. Um, and they come from people that claim Jesus as their savior, but well, well you decide, okay? So for instance, one person I knew posted this. And I'm not going to mention any names, of course, but they said, fool me once and I'll forgive you, but fool me twice and I'm going to give you hemorrhoids. That's their direct quote. Post number two. Uh, I'm sorry. I think you've sinned too much for me to forgive you. I can forgive everyone else, but you just really get on my nerves. Talking about brutal honesty. Post number three. Jesus and karma are tag teaming on you to show you what's wrong. Post number four. If God wanted me to forgive you, he would have never have created you. Ouch. And last but not least, the one that I feel that I probably, uh, in my own way, feel like I uh, can put myself in these shoes the most. Post number five, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they post. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So I just want you to know, none of these things, none of these things are what Jesus actually said ever. <laughs> but in today's culture, we want to put words in the mouth of our Lord and Savior. And you know, when we do that, we no longer take Jesus at his word. We make him into our own image and we make him into our own way of thinking in our own life. So today I want to turn to our Bibles. Who's got a Bible with them here today? Praise God. Amen. Let's turn to our Bibles and actually see what our Lord said about this topic. Let's stand for the reading of his word. We're going to be in Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. And as we're reading this, I just want you to know that this is Jesus speaking. This isn't anybody else. This is Jesus who's speaking into this word today. These are his words. And so we're going to be in Matthew 6. We're going to begin with verse 9. And Jesus says this. He says, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Verse 12. Big, big big sign here Jesus says and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors now I want to go down a couple of verses verse 14 and 15 it says this 
Verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's take a moment and pray for this word today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you here today because this is a precious, precious, oh, so precious word within our world today. And so, God, I'm praying that your spirit lead and guide us into understanding this, how it can be applicable for our lives. But most importantly, God, if there is any sort of way in which we do not align our spirituality in our life with you within this word, as tough as a word it may be, God, I'm praying that you give us your spirit to give us the courage to get in a right alignment with you and with others through this today. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated today. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, never said just this. Please, debt, forgive me. You guys are shocked at that. He never said, please, debt, forgive me. <laughs> Jesus also never said this. Please, hold on to your grudges, brethren and sisters. He never said that. Also, Jesus never said, I will forgive you, but you don't have to forgive anybody else. Woo! It's like some unsettling looks in the house. <laughs> Verse 9 through 12. It says, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Why, why did he begin this with teaching us about prayer? So I'm going to talk about that very quickly and very simply. But this is the Lord who is speaking to us in this manner. And he wants us to know that prayer is having a relationship with God. And before anything needs to get fixed or anything else is going to be able to get um, molded and shaped the right way, we need to have a relationship with the living God. Jesus came to show that. He said, hallowed be your name. For some of you, you might be like, well, what does that mean? It means this. It says, Jesus is saying, let your holy name be sanctified by my life today as I bear the name of Christ and live in a Christ-like manner. That's a lot within that little phrase. But Jesus wants us to understand that. He also wants us to know this. He says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? I believe it's a prayer petition for God to reign and manifest his kingly sovereignty and his whole power. To put to flight every enemy. Say every enemy. every enemy. He wants to put to flight every enemy of righteousness. Of his divine rule. So that he alone can be the king of our lives. In everything we do and in everything we say. There is no agreement to have any other God except for Jesus in our lives. Give him praise. Then he says this. He says, give us this day our daily bread. How many of you like bread? I know Ross. Yeah, we've had this conversation. I like bread too. Give us this day, oh God, the things that are necessary 
for the sustenance that I make, that we make. And whether that's a physical or even a spiritual or emotional, we're praying that God will give us on this day what is necessary to our lives. Oftentimes we want to pray for more and God can do infinitely more. But Jesus is just saying, give us this day what we just truly and really need. Why is that important? Well, I'm going to get to all of that here in a minute. You see, we have to understand that God wants to give you today what you need in your life. Not what you want, because sometimes what we want doesn't align with his will. I can pray all day that I get a, a Tesla outside that is, you know, computerized and I can, I can run over anybody with that car. It's electric and all that, whatever, you know. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, I know I don't have $100,000 in my bank account to do that. So it's kind of a pipe dream. And I can pray all day, but I don't believe that God would want to align his will with my will so that way I can get a Tesla. But he does give us everything that we do need for the day. And then he goes on to say all of that, and then he just goes right into verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Can I talk to you today about this, this subject of forgiveness? And today, it's, it's just as hard to preach as it was many years ago. And why is it hard to preach? It's because there's a lot of things in our lives that I think that sometimes we want to let to be unforgiven and just move forward, but we don't really actually take care of the business at hand. I'm going to tell you a story, okay? There was one time, well, several times, <laughs> that, of course, I had to teach our adult Sunday school class at Washington. And I remember the one time, this was one of the focus passages of that lesson. And I knew that this was the scripture that we were going into that evening, but I was... Well, begrudgingly, <laughs> not wanting to talk about it. And here's the reason why. There was an older gentleman, and his name was Silas. <laughs> and at times he could be a nice guy, uh, but at other times I think he just said a lot of things that I don't even think that he filtered as even being offensive. And so he said it nonetheless. He always tried to offer up his own way of helping with things. Um, and, you know, nothing against that, but it often resulted in many things being much worse. <laughs> so, for example, and this is where it gets, gets really personal for a moment, so I, you have to forgive me. But he would oftentimes always criticize and make make it known that I was a much different skin color than everybody else in the church. Very openly. Um, and it hurt. In fact, it still kind of hurts. I'm <laughs> just thinking about it. Um, and he would often tell many inappropriate things about my upbringing, things that I can't help. Uh, but he would make it known with a certain curse word to everybody in the church that, you know, my uh, my biological father was not in my life, so therefore I was a something that I can't say in church. But he would say it a lot in church and to everybody. And he would often tell, I mean, it was openly. 
And many times he would just come up to me and and he would tell me that, yeah, you can't, you just, you can't do this. Uh, you know, you just, you're not good looking enough to do, like, I don't know, random stuff like that. That doesn't bother me as much. But it was always hard because you never know what he was going to say. And I was always trying to find something positive, but oftentimes it was very hard for me. Um, oftentimes he also criticized the church because he would stand up and it would be testimony time. And you know those people, if you've been in the church, sometimes you worry about what they're going to say at testimony time. Okay, He was one that I always worried about because he would always testify about how other churches were so much better than this church. Like, that's what he would say. I'm so glad that there's another church that's much better than this place. I'm so glad that they can worship much better. than, And, and that's what it was. And my poor father-in-law always did the best he could to navigate all of that. And so I learned a lot of my navigation skills from, from the pulpit in action. Um, lastly, he was one of those people that would take it upon himself to also have the sex talk with you, uh, even though you weren't related to him. So all of that said, it was a lot of very awkward situations with this gentleman. And yet here I was supposed to give this lesson about forgiveness and knowing that there's all of this stuff that's pent up within me. Um, and it's, it's hard and, and it's, it's, it's difficult. And uh, I just want to know, how many Sunday school teachers do we have here in the room again? Yeah, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. Sunday school teachers, there you go. So this is, this might be for some of you in knowing that you have to give a lesson and it's going to be difficult. And this was me. It was difficult. And it's hard because you normally don't like someone telling you how to do your job when you're doing it. I mean, it's just kind of human nature. Not that maybe we're against correction, but there's always a, a, a right way to do correction, I believe. Uh, and, and all the other places that I've worked at, they believe that too. But yeah, I was holding a grudge and I felt sick to give this lesson because I knew what it was about. And I knew who was in the audience and I knew that... Um, that person would speak up and basically give the lesson for me from his perspective. Um, and it was just hard. I mean, it was hard. And so it took me a long time to realize that I was living in unforgiveness of this person. And I was holding a grudge. And anytime I talk about forgiving others, it does. It creates a lot of emotion, and rightly so. And, and for many of you here today, I just want to simply say this. Um, many of you might be saying, well, you don't know what this person has done to me so that I cannot forgive them. All right. And I get it in the church. It's hard. There's people from all different backgrounds and all different things from, you know, your spouse cheated on you, your best friend. They lied about you. Someone that you loved and admired. They let you down. Maybe someone didn't pay you what they owed you. Maybe they broke their promise. They used you for their benefit. And maybe it just is something as simple as somebody was just physically, mentally, or emotionally absent in your life. Someone who was supposed to protect you actually did the most hurt to you. And they hurt you emotionally, physically, spiritually, or even sexually. And there's scars that you have within your life today. And that's why this subject is, is difficult and so hard. I can give you the surface version, but when you begin to get underneath of it, there's, there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain. But here's the thing. I don't want you to pass simply over the pain just so we can kind of get through the topic. 
I believe that God likes to heal things. Amen. And I believe that God wants to heal things, things that were horrible, things that were unfair, things that were wrong and reprehensible. And as brutal as it is to endure personal betrayal or abuse, sometimes it's even harder to see someone that you love so much hurt. So how in the world do you forgive something and someone that seems so unforgivable? Well, there's a clue within this scripture passage Jesus taught us. <clears throat> Verse 9. This then, it says, is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Today I want you to know this, this is my first point, is that he's not just my father and Jesus' father, he's, he's our father. Our father who art in heaven. You see, our relationship with God matters. And as I've talked about before, we have to be in the right relationship with the Lord. Because if we're not in right relationship with the Lord, everything else falls to the wayside. And here's the other thing. Our relationship with God's other children, <laughs> brothers and sisters in Christ, your neighbor, <laughs> People who may have hurt you. All of that actually does deeply matter to the heart of who God is. Amen. And as a father, this kind of makes sense. Okay. It's kind of like when I have the kids in the car and they're fighting over who's got the better Roblox house on their video game. And they're fighting and they're bantering back and forth. And it's like, what do you do? You're like, hey, stop. You got to stop this. This is ridiculous. And... Nothing makes me more sad than when I see even my own kids get upset and argue with each other. And nothing makes me actually more happy when they actually get along. Amen? I expect a big amen from Ashley back there. Amen. But here's the deal. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. Therefore, it says this, if you're offering your gift at the altar in there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. It says to leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. This is what the word of the Lord says. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that your heavenly father doesn't want an offering when you're fighting with your siblings. Ooh. I really should probably duck underneath the pulpit now. It says, don't bring me an offering when you're fighting with your siblings. He says to go and to make it right, then come to worship. Go and make it right with that person. Well, what does that mean? It means that you've got to be able to communicate and to talk. You've got to be able to try to work things out and flesh things out. You've got to be led within that spirit of forgiveness to go and to be willing to forgive as much as you are willing to receive Forgiveness. Because what happens is in life, when we don't have a forgiving spirit, we begin to build a prison of offense. What does that mean? Well, a prison of offenses, taking inventory of every single thing that every single person at every single moment of your life has done wrong to you. So every single offense is another board propped up 
Oh, that, that person, they said something mean to me. Here's another one. That person, they cussed me out. Oh, that person, they didn't treat me very well. Oh, this person that I really know, they're my friend, but they're not my friend now. Board after board after board after board. And, and, and here's what we do. We build ourselves what I call the prison of offense because all of our offenses surround our hearts that we guard. It surrounds our thinking, our mind. It surrounds our, our entire being. And we build this, this prison up within our hearts and within our lives. And then we wonder why people are so bitter, why people are so hurt. It's because there's this prison of offense that they've built within their lives. Let me ask you this. In your life, do you have an unforgiving spirit? <clears throat> Let me tell you another story. Can I tell you another story? This is a good one. <clears throat> there was a pastor friend of mine, and they had a car. And they, they needed to sell this car uh, to make some extra money, okay? So it wasn't much of a car. It was, uh, I think they sold it for like around $1,000 or so, okay? So they sold this car to a guy. They didn't really know it. And it was before the internet and stuff, okay? So it's not like they could go and like, you know, do a deep background search of every single person they meet like you can now. Um, they sold the car and they gave this guy a really good deal. They blessed him. They're going to sell for 1000 They said, well, well, we'll do 800 How about that? We want to bless you a little bit, Okay. Well, here's the thing. They, 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 they gave him the car, and he never came back with no money, no car. He took off. How many of you would be a little upset with that? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. You'd be a little upset. You're banking on that $800. And, you know, he's a pastor. I mean, you know, $800 is like almost a million to us. It really is. It's, it's a lot. You know, so we take inventory of that. And so, you know, of course, here's the thing. They could have been as mad as all get out. And they had every right to be. But his wife said this. He says, she said, I don't want this to be something that's going to be an offense to us. So we have two choices. We can get really mad and be mad for the rest of our lives. Or we're just going to say we gave the car to him. Okay? We just gave the car to him. He needed it more than, than we needed our money. And so they decided to go with option two. Because option one... <clears throat> Especially in ministry, you just you would build these walls of offense around people. And so they chose to willingly, openly forgive that person. In Matthew 5.43, it says this as well. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And this is in the same sermon, by the way. Okay. Just for those who, who don't know, this is in all of the same wonderfully inspired sermon that Jesus gave. Let me say it this way. Some of us, we don't feel like praying sometimes, and we just want to take action before we think. But 
you know, if I had waited until I felt like praying on how to even fix my own forgiveness situation, I'd probably still be waiting. Amen? So here's the thing. When it comes to the issue of forgiveness, which is hard, it's not easy. I'm not up here to preach to you something that's going to be like, just, there you go, you can do it. It's difficult. But here's the thing. Forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. And when we pray, this is why Jesus, I think, began this with a prayer. Because when we pray, our prayer may not change the other people that we're praying for. It may have not changed the heart of that man who just stole that car. But prayer changes who we are. Give God praise for that. Praying is a God-honoring way to start. And so, if you have a situation in life, this is why we always in the church talk about you need to pray about it. I don't say that just to waste my breath and to say it over and over. Oh, pray about it, pray about it. I really mean it. I mean it because it can change your life. It can change your situation. It can change how you think about what's even about to happen. And this is what our Lord said too. He said this about forgiveness. In Colossians 3.13, I believe he inspired this word for Paul to write. He said this, he says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then Paul wrote this, he says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. What does that mean? Here in this season of Lent, with this journey of Jesus, I want you not just to talk about what Jesus is doing, but I want you to see the heart of God at work. Jesus on this cross forgave all of humanity for every single offense that you've ever done, that I've ever done. The person next to you, even Vladimir Putin, I know that's controversial right now. Oh, we, we don't like that guy. He's a bad guy. Even Jesus has forgiven him if he would choose and accept that. Yeah. But here's the thing. I mean, it cost him his very own life. And God wants to freely forgive your sins. He wants to split them from the east as it's from the west. And to not even remember your offenses. Andy Stanley, who's a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, he says this about it. He says, in the shadow of my hurt, how many of you have ever been hurt? Most of you. Okay, some of you, man, I want to know your secrets of not ever being hurt in life. But he says, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, Forgiveness is a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Folks, that's what forgiveness is all about. We don't deserve it. <laughs> we didn't earn it. But we need to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. I wonder how many homes would be healed if fathers and sons were able to sit and to forgive each other for the offenses that's taken place 
for mothers and daughters to sit and to be able to talk through the offenses that have taken place. How many marriages could be saved by simply saying, I forgive you, and to mean it. How many friendships can be healed by saying, I forgive you? Today in our church, I wonder how many of you could actually be really set free from the prison of offense that you may be finding yourselves within. This prison wasn't built by anyone but you. You put every single brick, piece of mortar, wall, construction, wall hangings. If you've been hanging out there long enough, you've decorated it the way you want to. I wonder how many of you would be set free because you see you've built yourself this prison that you've been finding yourself in when you get hurt every time you get hurt you go to your little jail cell and then you begin to put up another brick another wall another room some of us have a mansion of a prison within our lives But here's the thing, holding a grudge, it doesn't make you strong. Holding on to your prison of offense doesn't make you strong. It just makes you bitter in life. And forgiving doesn't make you weak, it, it sets you free. You see, Jesus always talked about freeing the captive. Jesus always referenced that. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, this is what our Lord says. He says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. I did not say that. I did not put that in the Bible. This is what Jesus said. Okay? Forgiveness is an empowerment to set you free. I had to forgive Silas for every single thing he ever said, yes. every single thing he ever done. But here was my problem, is I didn't realize I had that spirit until actually he was already passed away. I could never make that right with him. And so in my heart, I had to forgive him. And of course, I had to make it right between me and my Lord. Because how could I ever move forward with any of that hurt? Now, it doesn't justify what he did. It doesn't sometimes even thinking about it like I was really emotional with this sermon because it just brought back like a lot of things. But the one thing that I do know is this, is that through all of that, I'm much further and better in my walk with the Lord than I was when I was in it in that point in my life. I had to forgive him for all of these things because then I'm just going to live in my own prison of offense. You see, today, I don't want you to wait to the person that's offended you and is already not even existed in this life for you to get to that point of forgiveness. God has given you this breath, this moment, this place in time and in history to be able to go back and to say, I'm sorry, and also to be able to say these words, I forgive you. 
Because sometimes we have to say both. And most importantly, for whatever your offenses are, God wants to forgive you. He took this cross. He took that cross to forgive you. Because Jesus never said, I'm just going to let karma fix it. There is no such thing as karma. That's an Eastern idea. What there is, though, is love and grace and forgiveness from the cross. And Jesus never said to let unforgiveness rule your life. You'll be fine. You don't have to forgive people. Oh, it's all, it's all good. No. What we read today is straight from Scripture. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We ask you, who needs forgiveness today? Who needs forgiveness in their life today? I want us to stand for a moment and uh, we are getting ready to take communion. And in communion, we come to the Lord's table. And you don't have to be a member of the church. All I ask is that you do know the Lord as your personal Savior. But maybe God is asking and inviting you to have that spirit of forgiveness within your life. We're at his table today. Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to show you the love of God and his grace. And today we're going to take what that means in a physical form, in a way that is sensory to who we are. But before we do that, I want us to get right with God in this moment. So let's bow our heads here today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, will you forgive us? If there are trespasses that we've had against you or someone else within our midst, Father, I, I need your spirit to help lead and guide us into having a spirit of forgiveness and not a spirit of offense. Jesus, you came to set free the captives. And what all of that means is that there's so many different things that we can be captured by. And the one thing that I see in our world that the devil is very good at is helping each person build their own prison of offense. And so, God, I'm asking that you break the prison walls today. God, I'm praying that within our time here today, there's some people praying to you that's breaking some things within their hearts and their lives because they don't want that stuff anymore. They're ready to have a place to have more of you within their hearts and within their lives. And so, Lord, will you show us the way into your forgiveness here today? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This time, I want you to take your communion cups that you have here with us today. And I just simply want to say it this way. This will be the last time that we take communion before we get to our Good Friday weekend. Okay? So I want you to cherish this little cup that you have. This communion supper is instituted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's a sacrament that proclaims that it's his life, that it's his sufferings, that it's his death, and that it's his resurrection that gives us the hope of his coming again. And it shows forth the Lord's death until he returns. This supper is also a means of grace in which Jesus is present by the Spirit. It's to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work that Christ is doing. 
and all of those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation, are invited to participate in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We come to his table today so that we can be renewed in life and in salvation and be made one by the spirit of the living God. And in unity with the church, it says this, that we confess our faith. By taking this, we confess that Jesus has died. By taking this, we confess that Christ is risen. And by taking this, we confess that Jesus is coming again. Amen. Amen. And so at this time, let me offer up a, a prayer today as we begin our, our journey at the Lord's table. Dear Lord, we come together, Lord, here at your table. And we come in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who by your spirit, Lord, we know was anointed to preach the good news of the gospel to all people. To proclaim and to release the captives, to set free those that are oppressed, to come and heal the sick, to feed the hungry, to eat with sinners and establish a new covenant of forgiveness for, for our sins. And Lord, we come in the hope today of his coming again. And Lord, I just simply ask that as we come to your table, Lord, Lord, help us to be able to engage with your spirit and help us to know that you want us in communion with you. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> On the night in which our Lord and Savior was betrayed, <clears throat> he took bread, much like that you have, and he gave thanks and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said that this is my body for which is given for you. And to have this communion and to do with me. And likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup as well. And he gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from it, all of you, because this is my blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many in the forgiveness of sins. Do all of this in remembrance of me. And so today we gather as the body of Christ and to offer up ourselves in praise and thanks to God. And we ask for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit to be upon us and to also make powerful this gift that we have. And now as our Lord and Savior has taught us, may we be able to partake of this supper here today. I want you to go ahead and open up the top portion of your communion cup. There's going to be a wafer. And I want you to hold this wafer within your hands. And within your fingertips, I want you to know that this represents the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when I tell you to, I want you to take this and to break this in half. When you break that in half, I want you to realize that this is a symbol of Christ's body being broken for you. Take and break. Now with this wafer, I want you to know that may Christ's body preserve you blameless unto everlasting life to eat this in remembrance that Christ has died for you and to be thankful. Take and eat. Now at this time, I want you to be able to take the other bottom portion and we're going to open up our communion cup. 
And we see how dark this blood that it represents can be. This is the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. It's representative of that. And as we take and drink this, I want you to know that it's through Christ's blood that was shed on the cross. I want you to understand that this blood can preserve you and keep you blameless into everlasting life. Take and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you on the cross. Take and drink. Let us pray here today. Lord, we thank you that you that you've come within our hearts and within our lives here today. Lord, I'm so grateful for the the grace that you've shown me within my life. And Lord, I just simply offer up my prayer. I just want to go further and deeper in with that. Lord, help me in my walk and within my abilities to be a spiritual leader. But most importantly, Lord, help me and to lead and guide me in the ways and the paths that you want me to be, Lord. As we sing about this morning, Lord, mold me, shape me. Where there's parts of me that there's not enough of you, Father, break through my spirit of offenses and walls and things that I build to create a space for you to work and move over me. Father, as we take this communion, Lord, help us to not just think of it as a... Uh, just a little wafer and a little bit of juice and okay, we're done. Lord, this is representative of the things that you've done for us. And God, I am so grateful. Lord, help us on our journey of Lent and into Easter, Father, to discover more ways in which you can work and move within us. So pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord your God who has given you a spirit of forgiveness. Go within that spirit and forgive those that have trespassed against you and that those that you may have trespassed, go and forgive. In his name we pray in Jesus. Amen. You guys are dismissed today. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.